The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the quick hitter version of the Mike Wise Show. On my 100th show, I'm joined by Harvey Araton and Frank Isola as we look back at 2020 and look ahead to 2021. And well, same as always, them damn Knicks, they're just not doing it for us. We've all covered the Knicks. I gotta say, Frank was probably nine when they last won their last championship. I don't even know if he remembers it. I, I was nine. Harvey, you were about 42. I mean, you were like, <laughs> no, like, like, is anything changed after like Dolan bought the team? Like, I mean, has it just been one run on him getting in his own way and the franchise just having this toxic top-down management? Will that ever change? Well, you know, the, the toxic top-down management goes all the way back to even the days of Red Holzman and Eddie Donovan. Mm. You know, for whatever reason, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the corporate feel of the building, uh, regardless of who owned it, or which corporation. Um, there was always sort of like, I think in the years, my first years around the garden, there was always some kind of absentee owner. You know, there was no, they, they never, they've never had a, uh, you know, a Mark Cuban or a, Steve Bomber type, right? You know, a front run. I mean, Dolan's it Paramount, yeah, and, and so the, the like the hiring practices. Oh, they always wound up with like one guy pitted against the other. Mm. Whether it was you know going back to Holzman and Eddie Donovan when Sonny Werblin gave Red Holzman a ten-year deal as coach, with the right to if he wanted to retire as coach, bump himself up to general manager, which would have knocked Eddie Donovan out of the out of the loop. And of course, Red and Eddie didn't get along because Eddie Donovan um, greased the skids for Red to get him out to move Willis Reed in in the late 70s. So there was always this back room, all these machinations going on. You know, Al Bianchi, and again, I don't remember which corporation owned the team at the time. Al Bianchi was a, a, a New York guy and a lifer in the ABA and the NBA. And he got hired, finally, he got the job of his life to become the Knicks general manager. And the first thing they did after they hired him was say, hey, we're going to go on a plane tomorrow morning. We're flying up to Providence to hire Rick Pitino as coach. Oh. And Al was like, what the hell? I wanted to hire Larry Brown as some guy I've known for, you know, 30 years, you know, in this business. And he didn't have that call. So from the very beginning of that marriage, those guys are at each other's backs. I mean, it went on and on that way. I'll be uh, Dave DeBusher and UB Brown, same deal. So, I mean, the Dolan thing is different to an extent because he is sort of a power guy, a power boy owner. Um, but, you know, he's a guy who's very awkward and, you know, it just doesn't, uh, I thought not to, not to do a shameless promotion for the book, but there is a chapter in the book called Dolan and the Death of Hope. And it comes sort of near the end of the book where Michelle is ruminating about, you know, the fact that she never got to see a championship team. And it's all about how Dolan stepped in and forced Donnie Walsh to acquire Carmelo and give up all the assets and everything. 
And she made in that chapter a great observation, I thought, which, you know, her, her job, her profession was human resources, and she ultimately owned her own uh, a consulting company. She trained corporate executives, right? So she was always fascinated in what made Dolan tick. And so she talked about the difference in the body language that Dolan showed at courtside, where he slumped in his seat and looked like it was the last place in the world he wanted to be. And the body language he had on stage when he was playing with his, you know, JD and the straight shot band and how much more confident and- That's so true. Yeah, how much more mm. self-confident. And her, mm. her point was that the Knicks were something he was handed by his father. Was, he didn't do a damn thing to earn it, but the music was something he always loved. And he would, however good you thought they were or weren't, that was something that Jim Dolan has created for himself. And that mm. he just looked far more natural in that role than he ever has as the chairman of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and, I think, and I think the guy in a lot of ways has gotten a bit of a pass. I know that sounds nuts. I mean, to Harvey's point, you know, there's always dysfunction in a lot of organizations. But if you go to the 90s, I mean, they went to a bunch of conference finals. They went to two NBA finals. Since 2000, they have won one playoff series. Like, that's like a different level. I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves have been to the conference finals in the last 20 years. Same thing with the Sacramento Kings, you know, the Phoenix Suns. Look at all the losing teams. The Orlando Magic have been to the finals. The Atlanta Hawks have been to conference finals. The Knicks have won one playoff series yeah. since, you know, uh, since they made it to the conference finals in 2000. It's hard to believe. It's not just the losing. I mean, you, you know, you're, you've been the subject of stories, Frank, in which the, the organization has gone out of the way to censor you, have monitors around when you're interviewing people, tell players not to interview with you. I mean, just talk. And then the Charles Oakley incident um, in which, you know, Oakley's stubborn as hell. I could see him getting into it with somebody, but there's such a tone deafness. There was sort of a, let's take care of this guy instead of talking to him. And it, it, they just don't, there's, it's, it's more, it's less about the losing than they just don't well, get it. Well, to this day, they think, just don't and, get it. And I think, you know, when you have the individual owner, and I think Harvey's point before about David Stern, where David, all right, so you're going to be critical of David Stern, but he knows that in some way he needs you. He doesn't want to lose you. Where Jim Dolan, they just keep score. Well, you were negative. Well, you're done. You're out. So here's Charles Oakley. Forget about the fact that he did all this dirty work when he played. And to your point, being tone deaf, not to realize that to the fans, they identify with Charles Oakley because everybody likes to think of themselves as a lunch pail kind of person. And so, all right, so here's Oakley. Every time a reporter asks him a question about the Knicks, he gives a brutally honest answer how bad they are. And to Jim Dolan, you you become an enemy of the state, so to speak. Mm. And it just doesn't – you can't run a basketball team like that. And these wars with the media – all right, let, let's say he's winning the war. What is ultimately the goal of your team? And I guess he's making money, which is all he cares about. But, again, the great thing about sports is they keep score. And after all the games, they put – uh, they put it in either the win column or the loss column. So that's what, to me, he should be – one of the biggest things he should be judged on, and the record clearly speaks for itself. Uh, you know, I, I, people always – I always get this question uh, when I'm, we're talking about the Knicks. And, and my editor at the – my old editor at the Times, Jay Schreiber, used to always Jay! ask me and say – We all know Jay. Well, if Dolan's such a bad owner, why is it that the Rangers, while they haven't won a cup, 
you know, since 94, I believe. Um, they've been competitive. They've gotten to, you know, a couple of Stanley Cup finals. Um, you know, they've had some really good years. Why, why is, and I, and I always say that, first of all, it's apples and oranges, that hockey players, it's like a fraternity, you know, they're not like real look at me kind of guys. Uh, they come up through a whole different kind of system. NBA players are like individual little cottage industries. And they all want to, they all have leverage. They all want to be branded stars. And they are. And so you have a situation like now, they want to be, you know, social justice uh, activists, you know, and so you, it always comes back to Dolan's media policy. And people say, well, you know, people, some people who work around media in New York will say, well, you know, he doesn't interfere anymore with the trades or the drafts and all that stuff. It's just his media policy. And it's like, well, media policy is a very big deal. Because imagine, like, could you imagine Greg Popovich or Stan Van Gundy or Steve Kerr? And those are just coaches. We want, you know, when you start talking about players, LeBron, Steph Curry, yeah. the things that these guys have been saying, whether it's about the president or about the country and the culture wars and all these things, right? Can you imagine any of those people working for Jim Dolan and being allowed to say the things that NBA players and coaches routinely say now? I yeah. Mean, the Knicks couldn't even release a statement when all yeah. the other teams are releasing statements in the wake of George Floyd. The Knicks were last, and even when they finally did release something, it was really generic and basically said nothing. So I think that that whole media policy, while while players might not care if the Knicks exclude Stephen Bondi from a telephone news conference, they certainly care about the restrictions that he would place on employees in terms of expressing themselves on any number of things. Mm. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great point. And one thing to, uh, you know, Harvey had said before about Jim Dolan's body language, Mark Berman had something that he buried in a column that he wrote that, you know, Dolan was at the game last night, wasn't in his baseline seat and the front office a couple of years ago, he referred to it as garden brass. I don't exactly know what that means, but they felt that Jim Dolan's body language is not good for the players and it actually distracts them. And there was like consideration, like maybe we should move his seat. And I thought about this. First of all, who's going to get the short straw and be the one that's going to tell Jim Dolan that he should move his seat? There's no chance that anybody's ever going to say that in a meeting with Jim Dolan. And then the other, the other thing would be, wow. can you? Uh, there's no chance that 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 would ever happen. It's also a pretty lame excuse why yeah. the team doesn't play well. But his, you know, everything that they've done, it's about it. It's never about winning basketball games. And that shows again in the record. Mm. There was a story, there's a story at, at the very end of my book um, that, you know, it, it defies, almost defies comprehension um, when it comes to Dolan. And this goes back two years ago at a fun the funeral for Cal Ramsey up in Harlem. And Al Ramsey, one of the most. You guys ever uh, get around to reading the book, you will see this little anecdote. Yeah. Anyway, I went to it because I knew Cal very well. He was a wonderful guy. And at some point, a uh, woman who's sort of presiding over this service stands up and says, uh, Will the three speakers uh, who are 
here to speak about Cal, please come up and prepare to, you know, take the mic. And she called the three names. The first one was Cal's cousin or something relative. The second one was Charlie Rangel, you know, the congressman mm -hmm. from Harlem, former congressman. And the third one, she said, James Dolan. And the entire church kind of like heads were turning like on swivels, like Dolan's here, Dolan's here, oh my God. And the two people, Rangel and the other relative got out of their seats and walked up and there was no third person. And then she said again, well, the three people come up, James Dolan, and all of a sudden there was this awkward, awkward feeling like maybe he's not here. And she said it again a third time, no Dolan. He wasn't there. He didn't show? He didn't show. And now maybe, uh, he, had a, maybe he had a perfectly good excuse for not showing. But he's a speaker. Apparently nobody, not him or anybody for him, called ahead to say he won't be coming. Uh, and so I was sitting next to a, uh, an NBA employee who shall remain unnamed. And he just shook his head and said, so typical. If you want to hear more from Frank Isola and Harvey Arathon, Check out the full version of the Mike Wise Show from Pure Hoops Media. You can also hear more from us on the Pure Hoops Media YouTube channel.